Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and Breaking the Fourth Wall Entertainment. I'm your host, Don Smith. It was an honor talking to Vince Russo from Russo's Brand Podcast Network, former writer and creator for WWF, WWE, WCW, and more. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter, or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM, or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. The brutal presence overwhelms me. The brutal presence overwhelms me. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. All right. Hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are rolling along, uh, getting close to the middle of the week. Uh, my on-call time is still not up, so I'm still uh, not able to drink during those, which uh, I'm not sure if that hurts the quality or helps it. I don't. I really don't know for sure, so we'll have to do an audience poll. Um, <laughs> uh, my guest is on Zoom with me already. I have uh, Vince Russo in with me. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, welcome, Don. It's nice to be here, man. Yeah, it's it's nice to have you. I, I've heard a lot about you. As I said, I, I'm I'm not huge in wrestling, and you've uh, you've been pretty big in the wrestling world for quite some time. Yeah, I've I've uh, been in the wrestling world for a long time, but like, quite frankly, I'm not a fan at all of wrestling <laughs> these days. So you and I have a lot in common. Perfect, perfect. So, <laughs> uh, because you actually started on a. Uh, you had a radio show back when you first started. You got out of uh, with a degree in journalism, and you started on the radio at one point, didn't you? Yeah, back about thirty years ago, I had a little radio show on uh, Long Island, New York, called Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling, and that's kind of where it all began with me, as far as wrestling's concerned. Yeah, and you just you jumped into because you actually did some of the wrestling as well, didn't you? Well, I was a on-air character as like the, um, you know, the boss or the authority okay. figure type thing. So yeah, I had my share of being bumped around. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure that's fun too. Yeah, than- well, it's not. It's it's not that much fun because I had gotten concussed at one point and I kept getting concussed over and over and over again. So uh, yeah, that wasn't too much fun. Yeah, and that, you're a podcaster now. Plus, you you have uh, uh, Russo'sBrand.com podcast network. Uh, what made you decide to start getting into podcasts in a way? Well, from you know, going else? back to 1991 when I was in radio, I loved it, man, and that's what I really wanted to do. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any ambitions of getting into wrestling. I loved radio, so I started Russo'sBrand.com about seven years ago. You know, podcasting's the next best thing to radio, and, uh, you know, so far, so good. Nice, nice. Uh, so you, you got started. Is it, what, is, what is your, uh, well, you said you had 25 shows in your network. Uh, what is your shows about? What are your shows about? Uh, well, uh, really a lot of things. I mean, some are, you know, some more wrestling shows, but some more things that just kind of interest me, things going on in my life. It's really a platform where, uh, you know, I mean, we just really talk about everything, entertainment, sports, TV, some wrestling, uh, you name it, we talk about it. 
Oh, a little bit of everything. That's always good, especially yep. especially if you don't like wrestling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I try to talk about anything but wrestling. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit about wrestling if that's okay. That's cool. Yep, I I, I, I expect that. That's cool. yeah. I'm sure I have some listeners that that are fans of wrestling. Yep. So yeah, well, I I've been told you're a fair you you were a fairly controversial figure in the wrestling world. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I mean, people have made me controversial. I mean, I'm, I'm really not, um, you know, I was just a guy really that went to work every day and did the best job I possibly could have done just like I do now. Nothing's really changed. Uh, and I think people have made it controversial for various reasons, but, uh, I'm pretty much just a regular guy. I don't, I don't look for controversy, but it does seem to follow me wherever I go. <laughs> that, that, that happens too. I run into that from time to time in the comedy world. Not so, not so much in radio and my daily job, but you know, yeah. As, uh, I, I do want to, uh, I do want to touch a little bit cause I'd mentioned before the show that, uh, uh, the star maker, Kenny Bolin has been a guest on the life radio show, like back in our beginnings. And, uh, I know he's worked with Jim Cornette and there is a, uh, there's a bit of a, uh, there's a bit of a situation that was between you and Jim Cornette. Uh, what exactly, how exactly did that begin as far as it's, the you know, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's, uh, it, it, it's one-sided. I, I mean, with that, whatever heat there is, uh, that he comes from the side of Jim Cornette. I, I don't have an issue with Jim. I don't have a problem with Jim. I have, uh, I had, a, I have extended the olive branch on many, many occasions to have a conversation with Jim or a talk with Jim, but Jim has kind of made his hatred towards Vince Russo a part of his act, a part of his shtick. Uh, and I know that's what it is. I know it's shtick. So I just, I don't, I don't play along with that. Um, I'm, I'm too old and grown up to play games. I am friends with Kenny though. Me and Kenny have done each other's shows uh, multiple times. I think Kenny Bolin is a very, very entertaining guy. And uh, yeah, me and Kenny have a really good relationship. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed having Kenny on the couple times he was on. It's 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 been a while, but yeah, he was definitely very entertaining, very entertaining fella. Yeah, he's a, a great great storyteller. I love people that could tell a good story, so that's why I was uh, I, I hit it off with Kenny. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, but I I did too. We got along well for the shows, and uh, uh, you also you you wrote a couple of books, did you not? Yeah, I got a couple of books I wrote about my career. I wrote two books. The first one was called Forgiven, and the second one was called uh, How WCW Killed Vince Russo. Because first and foremost, I mean, I, I do consider myself a writer. So uh, writing, writing those books was really a huge accomplishment for me, something I really always wanted to do. Yeah, because you wrote a lot of the storylines for a lot of the big wrestling uh, rivalries and whatnot. Yeah, I, I was a head writer of three different wrestling companies, WWE, WCW, and TNA. Uh, you know, I do consider myself a television writer, not a wrestling writer. I think there's a huge difference. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I did. I've got a degree in journalism going all the way back to school. And I always consider myself first and foremost a writer. Awesome. Uh, what do you have coming up? Do you, I mean, you know, you have your podcast. Do you have any, uh, 
are, is there anything you're currently working on uh, writing wise? I don't have the time. I mean, podcasting <laughs> has really become a full-time job. I do multiple shows every single day. You know, the marking of it, the marketing of it, the promoting of it, it really has become a full-time job. You know, writing a book uh, really is a lot of work and a lot of dedication. And, um, you know, at this point in my life, I just, I really don't think I have another one in me, man. It really does take a lot out of you. Uh, yeah, I, that it does. I've written a couple of just, just fiction, nothing, nothing about my life. Cause that's not all that exciting, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've, I've written a couple of novels that I, I still have yet to, uh, fully go back and edit, but, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's a process, man. And it really does take a lot of time and a lot of, uh, you know, dedication and, uh, you know, after I wrote the first one, you know, that was a goal of mine. And then there was a second one. There's a third one. But again, I just don't think I want to do that at this point in time. Yeah. What What are some of your favorite, uh, I mean, as far as uh, for the wrestling shows, what were some of your favorite? Did you write and develop some characters or? Oh, yeah. No, I, I wrote and, and helped develop guys like, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Undertaker and Mick Foley. And I mean, you, you name it. I've pretty much worked with all the great ones. Wow. That's awesome. What, what are some of your favorite rivalries between the two that you've brought between two wrestlers that you've come up with? You know, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like I, I really don't have any favorites because you know, it, it's weird, Don in wrestling, like you have a show every single week. So, right. you know, there is also, there is always such a pressure to create new and fresh content every single week that, you know, it's not like there is a favorite this or a favorite that because you, you don't even have time to stop and smell the roses because you are just constantly writing. There's nothing else in the world. There's no other television show in the world, nothing where you're writing a show on a weekly basis. And once you start doing that, it just really turns into a job. Yeah. Yeah. That I would imagine that would, cause it's just, yeah, you're always having to come up with new material, new stuff. And yeah, that would, uh, that would get grueling after a while. Yeah, it does. And, you know, there's no off season, there's no break. And then, you know, we went from one show a week to two shows a week, and then you got a pay-per-view on top of that. So, man, you know, we, we had years where we were writing 116 shows a year. Wow. Yeah, that's quite well. Plus, don't they go on tour as well? I know they used to, and they used to go to different arenas back in back in the. Yeah, they they, they would do house shows, you know, going to different towns, but that really wouldn't involve the writer. The writer was really just involved with the television shows. Okay, so the so the uh, the different shows that they would go out and do that was just more for the wrestling for the fans and yeah that was wrestling for the fans that was really you know match after match after match there wasn't much storytelling or anything like that so you know you know my job as the head writer i wasn't really involved in those okay because yeah yeah i mean you, they would need you back on the set to keep keep everything going there exactly right yep because that's it that's that's what paid the bills <laughs> uh, yeah the tv uh, the tv is what paid the bills and still does yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
as uh, there was some. So, sorry, it, it has been a long week for me, so I'm trying to figure out where I am on this. <laughs> and it, not being a huge wrestling fan, it's 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 hard to come up with good questions to ask. Uh, no, yeah, no, but trust me, I uh, I uh, I understand that. But you know, it's really like it, it really what I. I I try not to look at it as wrestling because this is where a lot of the controversy controversy comes in. Don is like, I was never a wrestling purist. I never had a dream of getting in the wrestling business. I I'm a television guy and I love viewing television. I love watching television. I love critiquing television. And basically I wrote a wrestling show and that's where I mean, I wrote a television show and that's where the controversy came in because, you know, you've got wrestling purists out there and all they want is match after match after match after match. They don't want any stories. They don't want any, you know, character development or backstage, you know, vignettes. And we we took a wrestling show and we really made it into a television show that everybody could enjoy, whether you were a man, woman, or child, regardless of your age, there was something for everybody because, you know, our goal was really set on bringing in the casual viewers. So that's, that's where the controversy comes in, where when I was writing a show, it wasn't just wrestling, 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 because I kind of found that ridiculous because, you know, all the fights are fake. That they're not real. So, like, as a grown adult, I don't want to just sit there and watch fake fights where where outcomes are predetermined. I want to watch stories. I want to watch characters. I want to be entertained. So that's right. that's where a lot of the controversy came in. Yeah, I, I can understand that because even I'm looking at this wrong. I was looking at it as a wrestling match and not a TV show. Yeah. Actually, putting it that way, it makes a great deal more sense. And if you do make it just a wrestling show, you know, well, wrestling is is only a niche part of the the television viewing audience, and that's all you're going to get. I mean, that that's right. all you're going to draw. But if you could open up that envelope and have comedy and drama. And, and romance and intrigue and violence and sex and everything that a television viewer looks for, well, then you are going to grow, grow the audience. And that's what my job was to grow the audience. Yeah. Well, that, that shows how long it's been since I've watched wrestling because I I've, I've missed out on so much. <laughs> well, well tr- tr- trust me, it's, it's back to where it was before I started writing. So if oh. <laughs> Yeah, if you tune in now, you're going to see wall-to-wall wrestling, and that's about it. So it's, it's just gone downhill. The, sto- yeah. the story has died. Absolutely, yes. yes. Oh, that, that's terrible. That's terrible. Because I, 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 I do remember when I was younger, I, I did used to watch The Glow, the Gore- <laughs> oh, <I used laughs> which that, that was very, very similar. I mean, there were definitely... I that show. I, I, that was a great show. I used to watch Glow. It was on every Saturday afternoon, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Great, great show. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was everything that you're talking about. They had to have the stories in that. They, they had to... Yeah, and that was definitely that was definitely entertainment uh, more for men, but <laughs> right, right. But yeah, they they had the drama, they had the stories, they had the characters. So yeah, and and at the time, I don't think 
I don't think the WWF as it was at the time didn't really have that. No, at that, at that time they really didn't. We, we kind of changed the game a little bit with the attitude era. And that really started right around 1997. That's when we really started becoming more, you know, reality based and mirroring society more and tackling real life issues. That started about 1997. Um, you know, then around 2000, when I left the WWE, it kind of ended as quickly as it began and they've never reached those rating highs again. Never. Yeah. Well, that makes sense when the story, when the story goes away and it's just wrestling, like you said, you're only going to get the wrestling fans and not the, not the viewers that want to see the, uh, want to see the soap opera with wrestling involved. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what's happened. And there's been a 20 year straight decline in the ratings of professional wrestling. The numbers, the television numbers have gone down for 20 straight years. And that's because they went from it being a television show back to being a wrestling show. Yeah. So they, they didn't learn anything from the golden years when all their, uh, all their ratings were going up. Yeah, they when we left, when me and my partner Ed Ferrara left, um, they went back to what they knew and what what Vince McMahon knows is wrestling. And like I said, man, that's fine, but you're gonna really, really limit your audience. Yeah, have they have they tried to come back? Have they begged you to come back and write for them again? No, see, that's the thing, man. <laughs> There's a lot of egos involved in wrestling, and Vince yeah. McMahon really hates to give me any credit for what happened during that time period. So now, uh, you know, with their ratings, you know, more or less in the sewer, the last thing he could do is call me back because, God forbid, we bring the ratings up again. <laughs> then all of a sudden it's, oh, it was that Russo guy after all. And Vince egos, Vince McMahon's ego is so tremendous uh, that he would not allow that to happen. I can see from what I've seen of him on what little I've watched, I can definitely see, <laughs> I can definitely see that ego not wanting to, because uh, I, I think they've tried over the last years to get some of it in. Didn't he, wasn't he in a limo that supposedly blew up or something? And he, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> he was in a limo, but that, I mean, you're going back now to like, gosh, that was, you know, that was 2000 ish. So you okay. know, yeah, that, that was about 20 years ago. And that's, that's pretty much the last time they ever did anything like that. Oh, okay. So that, that was, <laughs> again, that shows how long it's been since I've watched any. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cause there are, how many of them are there now? Even how many different, uh, yeah, right, right, right now there's two companies, uh, actually on television, the WWE and a secondary company. And, you know, like I said, man, it's, it's just really turned into a niche audience. Um, and, uh, you know, may, maybe a million and a half people a week. Uh, that's really about it. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they've they they definitely missed missed out. I guess they they missed out over the last twenty years of having what they need to to keep them keep them going. Yep, which is a shame. Because have you written for? Have you tried writing for other TV? Have you just? 
Since, no, since no, writing, really. since writing for them, have you tried other TV shows? Yeah, I, I was writing in wrestling. You know, like I said, I started in about 1991, and I stopped in about 2012. And shortly thereafter, about 2014-ish, I went into the podcasting game. Okay. And man, I just, I, I loved it so much more and just the freedom to get behind the mic and do it on my own times and my own terms and talk about what I want to talk about. I got a very, very loyal following. So, man, since I, I started doing that, I really haven't wanted to go back to the writing at all. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You just, you just went full bore into podcasting. Which yeah, is, exactly. That's, that's more or less what happened. Yes. Yeah. Gotta love that. Uh, who, who are some of your guest, favorite guests you've had on, or do you have favorites on that? Cause I know I get asked that and I don't really have. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, cause you, you know what, like here's, here's, here's what happened. Um, you know, when I was going into podcasting and I saw what was happening to the, um, wrestling business, I made a decision early on, like um, I wasn't going to put my eggs in the wrestling basket. So I've really made a show revolving around me. Like I, I made the decision early on, if people are going to subscribe to Russo'sBrand.com, they're going to buy into me. I am selling me. I am selling my life, my personality, my experience. So I, I used to do a lot of interviews, you know, with wrestlers, obviously. But I, I'll be honest, man, I just got sick and tired of talking about wrestling. So now, you know, I have a lot of wrestlers who are friends and, you know, I mean, I have, you know, I, I, like I said, I got about maybe 15, 20 different shows. Former wrestlers are on those shows. Uh, we do a lot of the shows together, but we really talk about, you know, many, many, many other topics. So it's not really an interview type format. Right. It's more conversational. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I try to do that. And sometimes I, sometimes I fail. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's not easy, man. Podcasting is not easy to, you know, just keep talking. And, you know, I mean, it's, and especially like when you do as many shows as I do, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it does get difficult. Yeah, that, that it does. I, well, like I said, I've been, I've, I'm on call at work, so they've been hassling me constantly. So I've been working probably, I got no weekend this past weekend. I got like 18 hours in yesterday. So yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're tearing me to pieces. So by the time I get out of here, sometimes I just want to bury my head in a pillow and not worry about it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. And, and that's the good thing with podcasting. I mean, especially me, I could set my own schedule and, you know, when, when I start feeling a little burnt out and when I know I have to work a, walk away for a day or a couple of hours or whatever, I have the freedom to do that. Uh, which is which is great because I think it's very important to stay fresh. Yeah, because get, getting into podcasting and when you did, I mean that was that was when it was definitely on the rise, and it still is. In 2020, I mean, I think I think 90 percent of podcasts out there now started this year. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, I mean we've been in it for a long time, and I hope to do it a lot longer. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I think, uh, well, actually, you should tell us where to find all your, well, you did, Russell. I've got two two platforms, and each platform has different shows. There's Russo's, R-U-S-S-O-S, Russo'sBrand.com, and we also have a Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC. Those are our two outlets where we have uh, multiple, multiple shows. Cool. Cool. I I will definitely have to check some out. That sounds great. All right. Well, I think we're going to take a short break right now uh, so I can break things up for the radio. And when we come back, we're going to discuss some news stories. If you're up for that, Vince, we can have some just weird stuff going on in here. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Well, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Life Radio Show. We will be right back with Vince Russo. So, today's today's message. Uh, so, um, the, uh, the important thing, uh, that uh, you need to know is that, like, time, there's, there's past, there's present, so where we're at, like, right now, where you're, you're at right now, I'm, well, I'm, I'm at my present, but you're at a different present, because this is a recording, and so, and then, then there's, like, the future, which you're the future, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to your future and my present, which is currently in the in the past. And so, well, the important thing is that uh, um, you know uh, that you understand is that all time is always uh, like like you know, past, present, future is uh, is is the same. All the time, and the important lesson that we can learn and that you can put in to uh, your life is that well, there's there's really nothing. It's pretty much. I mean, it sounds pretty pretty good. It sounds like it's important, but really, it doesn't doesn't change anything. I mean, you just. Stuff was what it was, stuff is what it is, and stuff's going to be what it's going to be, and that's that's pretty much it. So, sorry, uh, sorry about wasting your time. Show him where 
the benches In this city of witches The sheets are covered With the morning news The streets all look the same Though he doesn't even know his name All he knows is this living room What's up, guys? It's Chris Fristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. 
Hey, this is Don Smith. I want to take a minute to tell you about The Devil's Apple, a new book by my friend William Morris. It's the true and brutally honest story about Bill's own battle with addiction. It was written for those struggling to overcome addiction as well as those watching a loved one struggle. In Bill's own words, you work just as hard to be an addict as you do to be clean and sober. You can find The Devil's Apple on Amazon.com and for a limited time you can get it for free on the Kindle app. Ah, <laughs> you fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. We are still zooming along with Vince Russo on board, and we have got some uh, We've got some weird stuff to talk about. We've got some news that, that, uh, that is part of my... Uh, part of the uh, part of the settlement i have to read it it's part of my uh, court ordered not kidding i'm kidding it's it's a <laughs> it's my public service i i have to do it a uh, california man was arrested saturday and accused of hiding in a restricted area at chicago's o'hare international airport for three months the man told police that covid 19 had rendered him too scared to travel home to california so he hid in the airport surviving on food provided by strangers uh, United Airlines staff spotted 36-year-old Aditya Singh uh, and requested identification. They said he removed his mask and presented a badge which belonged to an airport operations manager who, who reported it missing last October. <laughs> uh, Singh faces felony charges of criminal trespass in a restricted area of an airport as well as misdemeanor theft charges. Uh, Cook County Judge Susanna Ortiz set bail at 1000 uh, she also uh, said if he came up with the money, he would be prohibited from returning to the airport. That's, that's, uh, how do you hide in an airport for three months? Didn't Tom wasn't, Hanks do a movie that's about what that? I was going to say, wasn't, wasn't that a, 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 a Tom Hanks movie? Yeah, I believe it. Well, I can't remember the name of it, but I, I know I saw it, but that's exactly what he did in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, he even started working. He wasn't even a U.S. citizen. He just started working in the airport for cash, I think. And yeah, I mean, I wonder where he slept at night, like out of everybody's view. Yeah, well, he had an access badge. He but had he, the, the <laughs> but he still had to be sleeping in the terminal, right? I would imagine, yeah, unless he found an office somewhere. I mean, if it was at night, maybe there was an empty office somewhere, sat in the, uh, slept in the operations manager's chair. That's crazy. <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah, definitely not something you expect to, to just have to live in an airport for three months because he was too scared of COVID-19. I would think an airport would be a th place you wouldn't want to be. Exactly. Absolutely. And especially if, you know, uh, strangers were buying him food and handling the food, <laughs> it just sounds like he's contradicting the exact reason why he was afraid to get back on a plane. Yeah. That, that's the, the, uh, the story doesn't add up on that one. If you, if you're that, if, and if it's the, the whole problem is getting on the plane plane and flying, I mean, why didn't he just leave the airport, get a rental car and drive back to California? That would make more sense to me. You all right? Did you mean to mute, mute your mic? Okay, Vince muted himself, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll head on to a different story. Let's okay. see. what. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Okay, okay. I wanted to make sure you didn't mute yourself by accident and you're over there talking the whole time. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> 
Okay. Cause that does, that sounds like something I would do actually. Yeah. I was fooling around. I was trying to click on your logo cause I wanted your logo to come on, uh, come up bigger on my screen so I could make out the character that I'm talking to. Oh, okay. and, uh, <laughs> and I must've accidentally hit the microphone and muted myself. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> But no, if the guy is so afraid to get on a plane, it doesn't make sense why he wouldn't just get a rental car and drive back. At least well, that way you're by but, yourself. But wouldn't he be afraid to uh, rent a rental car for the same reasons, you think? I, I guess, but you'd, I think in a rental car, you'd have less chance because you're not, I mean, there, chances are the 150 people that were going to be on that plane, there probably hasn't been 150 people in that rental car in the last month. True, true. And I would like to think that they would clean the car inside and out after somebody was through with it. I would like to think. I would like, yeah, I would like to think that as well. Probably not true, but I would like to think that. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, Pennsylvania family uh, is offering a $500 reward for the safe return of a pair of 100-pound lion statues taken from an 87-year-old woman's porch. Uh, Constance Hartman of Hanover Township said the lions were the symbols of her family restaurant when it operated from 1986 until 2003, and they have since adorned the porch of her home. Hartman said the lions were discovered missing from their bases Saturday morning. I just can't imagine what anybody can do with them. I mean, it's not like you stole a purse you can throw in the garbage. What do you do with 200 pounds of lion? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good question. I Well, I I would think, I would think that the person who stole them really wanted them. But again, you've got to, well, you've got to ask yourself, what is that person going to do with them? I guess you could put them in your house. Yeah, because I mean, if everybody knows them and knows about them, you can't put them on your porch. Yeah, exactly. And you can, I I mean, I doubt you would be able to go to a pawn shop and sell those. Right. It's probably not a big black market item for 200 pounds worth of lion statues. Somebody (laughs) must have, uh, somebody must have paid bedroom. Yeah, I guess so. Cause I mean, even, even so, I mean, that's not, that's something you, that's a crime you have to plan out. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's not really something you're walking down the street and say, Hey, those are cool. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, that's not a one man job. You would have to get help. You would have to have a truck. I I wonder if, um, I wonder if this woman's house was isolated. I wonder. Yeah. I I don't know. It says everybody in the neighborhood, they were, these things were like, uh, landmarks. They were neighborhood landmarks. Wow. But yeah, I, apparently she lives close enough to the close enough to a street because it says if people would let's see when the kids would come by in their strollers, they'll stop and they'll pet the lions and give them kisses. So the, wow. yeah, they, they're bound to be right there on the street. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah I'm, yeah. I'm surprised they weren't even anchored down some way. But wow, hope she well, finds. I mean, tigers. they're a hundred pounds a piece. I mean, you wouldn't need to anchor them down a lot, but I wow. guess. Somebody moved them. Yeah, apparently they needed to be anchored down more than she thought to anchor them. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's 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 terribly sad though. Lost her lions. Yeah. Hope she finds them back. Yeah, hope she well, five hundred dollar reward out there. So if you if you stole the lions and you want to get five hundred dollars, that's probably a setup anyway. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna arrest you as soon as you show up with it. So do it anyway. Just be a good. They person should have at least. Um, they should have at least put something else in the place of the line, so maybe the woman wouldn't have noticed. Right? Yeah. Are you, 
you're not talking like a bag of sand, like they're going to do the uh, Raiders of the or not the Raiders of the yeah, Lost. Ark, yeah, yeah, some the old steel switcheroo. They pull out the line, they put a bag of marbles or something. <laughs> Should have done something like that. You get, I could just see him now weighing out the marbles to make sure it matches, and you know, some big just, ball comes rolling out of nowhere and just crushes him. That's what. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to see. <laughs> it's the start of a new movie. Now, where do you find these? These are definitely oddball stories. Do you go to a certain place to find these? I, I find them in different places. There's Huffington Post has some. These are actually off of uh, UPI.com. The one about the uh, the man hiding in the airport was off of NPR.com. So it, I, various locations. I got to check out that site because uh, these are a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. A pair of Idaho men teamed up to take on a slippery Guinness World Record by stacking 47 bars of wet soap in one minute. Uh, David Rush, who has broken more than 150 Guinness records to promote STEM education, teamed up with neighbor Jonathan Hannon to create a tower of wet soap bars. Uh, Rush said Guinness rules required the bars of soap to soak in water for at least one minute before the before the attempt. Uh, and the two men had to alternate stacking the bars. Uh, their stacking of 47 bars of soap in one minute broke the previous record of 40 bars for a team of two. So I did not know that this was a popular enough event that they had that kind of rules. Well, obviously, uh, these two gentlemen have a lot of time on their hands. But <laughs> when you think about this, so you're you're soaking the bars for a minute. Like I'm assuming all the I, yeah, you have to assume all the bars are the same size. They, so they, they would have to be, or there'd be no feasible way to yeah, there'd be no feasible way to stack them if they weren't. Yeah, but now they, gosh, uh, uh, soaking it for a minute has to make it somewhat slippery. You would think, no? Oh yeah. Wow, that that that's quite the accomplishment. Then forty-seven wet soaked bars <laughs> of soap. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, and, and during it during a time of pandemic when the soap is sold out of all the stores, now we know where all of it went. The and but but the problem <laughs> is, as you read these stories, they're not giving us any video, are they? We need to we need to see this video. Uh, there, there there is video, but th this is a an audio only audio only podcast. But there are there is did video see, of this guy. So. Video? Did you see it? I haven't watched the video. No, like, like I said, I pull these news stories up usually as we're talking. I can't believe that the first thing I said was these two guys got a lot of time on their hand, and now I'm going to go back and watch this video <laughs> of these guys stacking soap. So what exactly does that say about me and my time? <laughs> yep, you've got a little bit of time on your hand, enough to watch them stack soap, but not enough to stack soap yourself. Crazy. Which, <laughs> which is, that's just the right amount of time to have on your hands, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Or soap on your hand. I don't know. Well, uh, okay. What? Let's let's see what's next. Uh, a French woman, uh, Jean Pouchain, uh, has an unusual problem. She's officially dead. She has been trying for three years to prove that she is alive. The 58-year-old woman, uh, which, I mean, if she's been dead for three years, she's only a 55-year-old woman, so you need to look on the bright side of this. Anyway, the 58-year-old woman says she lives in constant fear, not daring to leave her house in the village of St. Joseph in the uh, Loire region. Uh, authorities seized her car 
over an unpaid debt she contests and which which is at the center of her trouble. She fears the family furniture will be next. Uh, Pushane's status has prevented her and her husband, who is her legal beneficiary along with her son, from using their joint bank account. Uh, being declared deceased has deprived her of other critical amenities. I no longer exist, Bouchane said by telephone. I don't do anything. I sit on the veranda and write. She called the situation macabre. I, I would say that's I, that would be kind of nice. <laughs> God, that's weird. So, I, I mean, are they confiscating her stuff because she owed money at her death? I'm thinking that's what they're doing. Yeah. And rather than it's like, well, wouldn't that just default over to the husband? Has he been declared dead as well? And why, what, what is so difficult for her to prove her death? I, I wonder what, what that's, that's bizarre. That it is, is. I, I've, I've heard of this a couple of times, but yeah, it's, it's very strange. I mean, I'll, I'll be damned if I'm going to let them, if I'm alive and I'm going to let them come and take my car. Yeah, let's 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 see why she's dead. Uh, Pushane's status as deceased is the result of a 2017 uh, Leon uh, court decision that deemed her dead, even though no death certificate was produced. The decision came at the end of a legal dispute with an employee of Pushane's former cleaning company who was seeking compensation after losing her job 20 years ago. Some people just don't let go. <laughs> it ju- it ju- it, it, I, I mean, my. I, I'm seems, still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems like uh, Miss Bouchard has some horrible lawyers. I would believe. <laughs> like, seriously. I guess. Well, she was trying really hard to get out of paying this former employee so hard that she decided to be dead. Yeah, she decided. <laughs> That's to be what dead. it is. It's in court record. She said, "You'll get your money over my dead body." And that's how her lawyer misunderstood her. Oh, my gosh. That is bizarre. That is bizarre. <laughs> now, how do we know, like, the? Uh, do we know these stories are real or is this an onion type thing? This is not an onion. Th- this one's off of Huffington Post. And that, I don't, I mean, I don't know 100% that all the facts. I'm just Crazy. reading off of here. But, yeah, this is, this is under weird news, but not fake news. I don't think this is just the weird stuff that you don't see on the normal side of the news. Interesting. But yeah, I, I don't believe they're false. I mean, if somebody, if somebody listening has proof, uh, otherwise by all means, I don't want to, I don't want to share fake news. I would much rather (laughs) if it's, if it's false. And I've actually done that where I found out, uh, one that somebody shared with me was actually fake. And I went back on the later show and made sure that it was was brought out because that's the thing about these. They, they are so far fetched that they probably are real because you wouldn't believe them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would, I would imagine if you were declared dead and you weren't, it probably would be a nightmare and it would be hard to prove yourself alive when the courts have already decided you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And how would you do that? Right. It it would be so weird to a very weird situation to be in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Absolutely. Let, let's see what else we have. This next one's off of a, uh, a website called wavy.com. So it, it's hard to say. It's hard to say if this one's right, real or not. <laughs> uh, 
uh, let's see, uh, out of Beaverton, Oregon, Beaverton, great place. Uh, a car thief who found a toddler in the backseat of a stolen vehicle, uh, drove back and chastised the mother for leaving the child unattended before <laughs> taking off again. Police in Oregon said, <laughs> Oh my gosh. The, the woman went into a grocery store about 15 feet from the car Saturday, leaving her four year old child inside with the engine running and the vehicle unlocked, said Beaverton Police Spokes Officer Matt Henderson. A store employee told authorities the woman was in the market for a few minutes before someone began driving away with the SUV. Once the thief realized the toddler was in the back seat, he drove back berated the woman for leaving her child unattended, told the woman to take her child and drove away again in the stolen vehicle. <laughs> Which that, makes sense. As if I'm, I, I don't want kidnapping on top of a grand theft that's auto charge. A, that, that's, I think that one may be the most fishiest. Yes. <laughs> that's got to be the most fishiest because you, you would have to think when he brought Okay, first of all, there was, there had to be some type of a scene. So she had to realize the car was gone. The baby right. was gone. So there had to be a scene. Then the car shows back up. So now everybody involved would know that the car's back up. The guy would have to give the woman the baby in front of a group of people. Now have an argument, then get back. Eh, right. that, that one's a little far-fetched for me. But it was in Oregon. Well, that's true. That's, Beaverton. <laughs> it was in Beaverton, no Oregon. Beaverton, and, no less. Yes. I mean, you, you got to think of everything that's legal now. All Every kind of drug you can imagine is now legal in Oregon. Yes. Okay. All right. So, it's a possibility. Okay. That so, yeah. And, and this day and age, I can definitely see this happening where somebody drives back just to berate the mother for being irresponsible after stealing her car. That's that's <laughs> that's the world we live in now. It, it, it is. It is. It actually is. Yes. Okay. There could be and, some. Uh, and he, he's going to get caught. They're going to go to court, and that mother is going to lose custody of her child, <laughs> and he's going to walk out a free man. That's exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. He may. He may walk out with a reward. <laughs> they may give so, him. Yeah. The After all, he found a kidnapped child. Yes. They may give him the car. <laughs> interesting yeah that's <laughs> that's that's where we are nowadays and it's uh i i don't know if it i don't know if it's sad or funny yeah yeah that's true it's a little it's a little bit of both and then you know it's that's that's the karen of car thieves right there to yes to, to drive all the way back and say how dare you leave this kid in here with me you irresponsible woman <laughs> 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 which honestly it is a little irresponsible to leave your four-year-old in the car that's running and unlocked yeah yeah but it's also irresponsible to steal a car but it's beaverton but it's beaverton oregon he was probably on some of their newly legalized drugs yes so it's all good yes <laughs> win-win for everybody yeah, so what we're gonna we're gonna end on end on a COVID story. And if infecting more than ninety-three million people, which I'm sure that's a higher number now, across the globe wasn't enough, COVID nineteen has now been found in ice cream. <laughs> I just ruined a lot of people's night. Uh three ice cream samples, chocolate, strawberry, and taro. 
I'm not sure what that is, tested positive for traces of the coronavirus after they were substituted food for inspection. Other frozen products, the company locked down after the discovery. All goods that had been distributed from the company's warehouse were tracked to all sick and all 1,662 employees went into quarantine. As of Friday, 700 of Tianjin uh, food companies' employees had tested negative for COVID-19, and the remaining test results have yet to be revealed. So, yeah, don't eat wow. Chinese ice cream. That's holy mackerel. So that that was transferred somewhere at the plant in the making of the ice cream. Yeah, had that would that would have had to be. Wow, wow, that's that's scary right there, man. Because you can substitute that food for anything that we eat. Yeah, exactly. Any anything that goes through the processing like that, anything yeah, that goes wow. through the processing that's, plants or people touching it, that yeah. Is that is that a recent story now? This one is. Uh, let's see. When did this? Uh, uh, January fifteenth. Man, I hope we don't start reading about more stuff like that. Yeah, that that that's a frightening thing. I usually try to keep my news stories lighthearted, but that's a little uh, that's a little frightening. That is that it could be in a candy bar, it could be in yeah. aerosol. Air, I mean, it could it could be in anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, 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 yeah, they need we need to be careful. That's uh, wow. Whoever's handling your produce, yeah. Wow, that's I hope we don't read more stories like that. Yeah, that's uh, it's getting uh, it's getting weird out there. Yeah, very weird. And that wasn't even in Beaverton. That was in China. Right. That that was not in Beaverton, Oregon. So the, you can't you can't even blame it on that that poor kid's mother. <laughs> oh, I mean, we can we can we can drive there right now. She's probably she's probably in jail for for <laughs> for allowing her car to be stolen with and her kid. Car, and her car is waiting outside the jail, running with the door open. Right, and the kid inside still because that's <laughs> till she gets out. Right, because well, yeah, he's not just gonna <laughs> that that kid's not just gonna you know go off on its own. He's only four. He's got to right. wait for mom to get back. Yeah, exactly. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> I think th I think that's enough for news stories. Uh, since we ended on a high note, uh, <laughs> at, le at least we brought it back to Oregon and blamed it on that mother. Yeah, like blame it on Oregon. Else. Yes, that's it. Yep. I think I'm going to write down blame it on Oregon because that just may be our episode title for tonight. Yes. I like it. I like <laughs> it. All right. Well, Vince, it's been great talking to you. I'm going to give you a couple minutes right now uh, to give a shout out again to where we can find your podcast, where we can find your books, uh, anything else you want to promote. I'm going to give you a few minutes right now to do just that. So take it away. Yeah, as I said, I got two major podcasting platforms with many, many multiple shows on each platform. Many wrestlers that you know who host their own shows or I do a show with them. You can go to russosbrand.com or you can go to patreon.com forward slash russo TWC. I'm always on Twitch. You can find me twitch.tv forward slash Vince Russo live and on Twitter. I am at the Vince Russo. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great talking to you and getting to know you a little bit and uh, going over some news stories with you. That was fun. Yeah, Don, I appreciate you having me. And listen, man, when push comes to shove, blame Oregon, bro. 
Absolutely. Blame it on Oregon. (laughs) Thanks again for being on. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show. Like I keep telling you guys, if you're going to keep listening to me, I'm just going to keep making them. All right. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Me. A brutal presence. Whoa, 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 whoa. Podcasting is not easy.